Welcome to the Educational Renaissance Podcast, where we promote a rebirth of ancient wisdom for the modern era. We seek to inspire educators by fusing the best of modern research with the insights of the great philosophers of education. Join us in the great conversation and share with a friend or colleague to keep the Renaissance spreading. Hello, Jason Barney here for Educational Renaissance. Today I want to talk with you about my third article in a series on replacing Bloom's taxonomy with Aristotle's intellectual virtues. And the title of this article that I shared is called Breaking Down the Bad of Blooms, the False Objectivity of Education as a Modern Social Science. And um, I'm really excited about this whole series to be diving back into it again after a long hiatus. I think the idea of teaching goals or learning goals, educational objectives is really important and in a way uh, attacks us as educators. What are your goals for education? You know, Bloom's taxonomy is sort of in the architecture of education. And I think there's a real problem with it. And so I want to break down that bad of Bloom's today for you a little bit. Um, what I think is really going on with Bloom's taxonomy, this kind of ordering of educational objectives that's, that's a problem for us as classical Christian educators, is that it, it privileges the bare intellect and intellectual skills and abilities over more holistic ideas about education. As I talked about in the first article that I shared, you know, we've been recovering the real purpose of education, which isn't just about training intellectual abilities and skills or just about preparing students for the job market or for college. We've got lost in this standardized testing world. And I think to a certain extent, that Bloom's taxonomy is to blame for solidifying that focus on standardized testing on particular intellectual skills and abilities to the neglect of the heart. And so I mentioned in that first article, C.S. Lewis's abolition of man and how, how we're making men without chests. We're focusing on just their cognitive abilities and losing the heart. And um, of course, Bloom's taxonomy, Bloom, Benjamin Bloom was the editor of this work that created a taxonomy of educational objectives in the cognitive domain. And they intended also to make an affective domain, so sort of the heart, but um, it was so fraught with subjectivity that they, they didn't get around to it for quite a while. And so what ended up really happening is that they just solidified this modern educational focus on what we could test easily, and that was these intellectual abilities and skills. Now, I do want to pause and take note of what I shared in the second article, which is that there is a real value to Bloom's taxonomy. I don't want to be a simply rejectionist where I throw out everything new or modern. I think there's some value in Bloom's taxonomy in that that particularly comes in the idea of having clear targets, clear goals for teachers and students. You know, without clear goals, we can just be wandering about the work of education. I used the analogy or image of Alice in Wonderland talking with the Cheshire Cat and saying, 
um, which way does this go? And the, the Cheshire Cat, well, you know, it depends on where you want to go, right? The question is, what is the ultimate purpose or direction that we're heading in? If we have no targets, if we have no goals as educators, we could go anywhere. Of course, we'll get somewhere. And that's where I think, in a way, modern or postmodernism is at a loss in education. To every new fad that comes along, ideologies will come and take the place. See, what happened, I believe, is that in a way we could use the analogy from Jesus' parable of the, the house swept clean, where the demons were exercised from it. It gets cleaned out, and, uh, and instead that, that demon comes, gets seven stronger than itself, and takes back over that, that person or house. And modernism swept clean, tried to get rid of all meta narratives, all overarching values and purposes, and get to a place of pure objectivity where we could just stand on a mountaintop and say, you know, this is true. We know this for sure. We're only going to accept things that we know for sure. We're going to throw away all traditions and values. We're going to be impious, as Richard Weaver said, and just head for that. And, um, of course, they had clear targets and values. They were really going for something. They still assumed, in a way, that intellectual abilities and skills were the thing to do in education. Average educators did, anyways. But with postmodernism, we're then, we're then lost in a sea of subjective preferences. One goal for education is as good as any other, and the average teacher doesn't know which way to go and ends up just following the fads that the particulars, you know, uh, of their school, the leadership of the school is going for. I wonder, do you feel that way as an educator? That you don't know what you're really trying to do with this curriculum. So you've been given a history curriculum. Well, what am I actually supposed to accomplish with this? Is a student supposed to know everything in it? Well, that's impossible. So then what are they supposed to know from it? What am I supposed to test? What is this all really about? Whether it's science or history, I think we're left with this question. We're not sure what it's all really about. Bloom's offers an answer. It's not a perfect answer. And that's my basic thesis, in a way, as I break down the bat of Bloom's here and try to reveal this and shed some light on it and then offer up in future uh, articles, the intellectual virtues of Aristotle as a solution is that I don't think Bloom, this university examiner and all his colleagues that helped participate in making Bloom's taxonomy, I don't think that they should have just taken the language of modern teachers as their starting point for building this educational taxonomy. When they did that, I understand why they did that. They were trying to provide clarity and precision to how educators were already talking. But they therefore solidified how modern educators were talking about education and what its goals were at a lowest common denominator philosophical level. So that, you know, just because at that time, teachers were generally talking about knowledge and comprehension, application analysis, synthesis, and evaluation as the goals, these abstract intellectual abilities and skills. That's what education is about. They solidified it, put a stamp on it, and approved of it.
in a way that I think was ultimately unhelpful. It took out the heart of education in a way that I think is hard for even us classical Christian educators, Charlotte Mason homeschoolers to fully get out of. We're still dealing with this, which is why I think this is an important topic for us to really dig into. And so let me go through two big picture issues that I think contributed to this main problem. They should not have taken the uh, language of modern educators as their starting point for building their taxonomy. When they did that, they actually privileged the bare intellect and left out some of the bigger holistic things of education in a way that is still harming us. We're still dealing with today. And I think they did that because of a couple reasons. I understand where they're, I think I understand where they're coming from. And, and part of it is the scientism of modern education in their day. I've talked about scientism before and the problem of scientism in modern education. But for them in particular, there's this goal of objectivity and measurability as leading everything in education. That's the most important thing. And so that's the first thing I'll talk about for a little bit, and then I'll close it up with the question of social sciences versus moral philosophy. What's going on in their day, as uh, Kevin Clark and Ravi Jain explain in their book, The Liberal Arts Tradition, is that the, the social sciences are coming into their own on an analogy with the hard sciences, and they're rejecting moral philosophy and its broader truth claims, its broader purposes and values that are assumed there. So let's look first at the problem of scientism, specifically the push toward objectivity and measurability. You can see this crystal clear if you look at the preface of Bloom's taxonomy, the taxonomy of educational objectives. Um, and they talk about how their whole idea of a taxonomy is taken from the biological sciences and how valuable for biologists and, um, you know, those studying plants and animals it is to have this taxonomy that um, puts a hierarchy for all the different species and types of plants and animals in their categories. So they want to bring the same thing to the field of education and educational objectives or goals in particular. And I think what they're really operating on here is a false analogy with biology. It may not, I argue, be the case that we can actually take educational objectives and if we just define them clearly and organize them hierarchically, break them down into this kind of perfect organization. It just may not work that way, the way that they're thinking of it, because education is very different from biology. And to make education into a social science means you're probably going to lose something. You're going to miss some of the things that are different. I think we could have seen this or avoided this if we had just heard Aristotle when at the beginning of his Nicomachean Ethics, he talks about how you can't have precision or the same level of clarity and precision in every field of endeavor. It just doesn't work that way. There are some subjects, some subject matter does not admit of the same level of precision. So we need to accept 
the level of precision that is fitting to the nature of the task that we're dealing with. And I think you can see this very practically, uh, just as an aside, even in how teachers grade. Teachers are trying to be objective. They're trying to go for the measurability in a way because of this tradition of blooms and modern education in a way that's absolutely not objective. We're going for a pretend objectivity. Hmm, let me grade this essay. And if I just use a rubric, I'll be able to be sure that I'm not being subjective in any way. And of course, it's a good thing to avoid prejudice and to, you know, be careful of your own judgments. But that's precisely the point. Your rubric itself is not objective. The rubric that you accept, you could pick another rubric. You could grade based on another set of goals or values depending on what you are teaching, what you think you're teaching, what your objectives are. So what are you teaching in history, math, science? What are your goals or objectives? You can't just assume that the curriculum writers got it correct. And I think that's the problem here. As teachers, we are necessarily involved in subjective judgments. And these, uh, these university examiners had some good reasons why they wanted to push for more objectivity. They're dealing with this on a large scale in the colleges and universities of America in the 1950s. And so they really want to perhaps bring some order to the K through 12 teachers that they're dealing with and receiving students from. And in a way, this whole project is, is sort of taking Galileo's dictum and applying it to education as a social science. You know, Galileo had said, measure what is measurable and make measurable what is not so. And that is an incredible idea for, for science. Obviously, the great fact of the modern era is how wildly successful the hard sciences have been. And that's part of why these social sciences have tried to model themselves on it. And of course, measuring has value. There's been gain for us as modern and you know contemporary educators in terms of our our measuring things more uh I, I i totally agree that there's value in some of what we're doing in in the middle ages in the ancient world it's possible they were not measuring things as precisely as we are say in reading level or this or that and there's been immense value in us doing some of that me measurement, but we have to acknowledge that there's also been some negatives, some downsides to measuring. And I don't think I need to convince anyone of this. I've talked with many parents over the years of students who in that highly measured standardized testing focused system of modern and contemporary education, their, their students are bored, they're disengaged, they're anxious and worried about the next test. Their loves are all ordered wrong because of this standardized test focus on objectivity and measurability above all things to the neglect of the heart of the child, the love of learning, other more practical goals. I mentioned pretty early in this article uh, the idea that a classical education, a liberal arts education is actually incredibly more practical for life. Sometimes I think classical educators get this 
you know, vibe or are, are accused falsely of a sort of intellectual elitism or ivory tower sensibility. I think nothing could be further from the truth if you really go into the tradition of classical education and philosophers like Charlotte Mason and John Milton and Plato and the whole host. Virtue is a main goal. Wisdom is a main goal. These broader holistic purposes of education about the life lived, the good life, are anything but impractical. Education is for life in this broader, more holistic, classical tradition. And even the liberal arts themselves, I would argue, are practical arts. They're practical. They work in the real world in life. That's why they arose. Just because they're not common arts or, you know, the arts of the marketplace doesn't mean they aren't eminently practical. So... I'll bring it to a close with just my second and last point from this, and that is the social sciences versus moral philosophy. The, the reason that we have this problem, this bad in blooms and coming into our world today, I think is because of a rejection of traditional moral philosophy with its questions about the meaning of things, the meaning of life, the, the purpose of life. And the, the goal to just be objective and neutral and, and push aside all committed value systems and, and be a social science. Make everything about numbers and quantity and objective, objectivity. And, uh, you know, if you've read Kevin Clark and Ravi Jain's book, The Liberal Arts Tradition, especially their second version, they have a great section on moral philosophy where they in detail go through this whole trajectory of the social sciences overturning moral philosophy from within a tradition of thinking about what it means to be human and what it means to live the good life, what moral virtue is and how that question, right, that science of old, the moral science or human science, the humanities, encompassed politics, economics, ethics. It, it had it all holistically engaged together. The social sciences are trying to operate separately without a foundation, without those overarching values, those moorings. They're trying in a way to take Aristotle's four causes and reject two of them and just focus on the efficient and material cause, what things are made of, and uh, the simple cause and effect of our world. That's what they're focusing on. And they're punting on the formal and final causes, the questions of meaning and ultimate purpose for human beings. What is our ultimate purpose? If you don't know that, all the answers that you come up with further down the line in a train of reasoning are not going to make sense or matter. You have to assume something. You have to start somewhere with a question of ultimate purpose. So that's why I am, in essence, going to propose that we embrace Aristotle's intellectual virtues, at least provisionally, in place of Bloom's. And we can build out somewhat of a hierarchy and a, a set of relationships with his five intellectual virtues, just like Bloom did, but in a way that's different. And I'll explain that in future articles or lectures that I'll share with you here, but 
that is the big idea. We've been trying to get to this neutrality, this place where we could stand. And, you know, Bloom and his colleagues are explicit about their goal of stating their taxonomy in as neutral terms as possible. And they talk about, oh, we're going to get to the affective domain, but we don't know when early in their cognitive domain handbook. And I think in a way they're just they're just trying to push that aside. They're trying to get to the objective and and neutral goals that we can turn into our standardized tests that we can use to admit students into our colleges, aside from a holistic view of the human person and how they might grow and develop. And so that's what I think the the bad of Bloom's is. It's this false goal of objectivity, of making education into a modern social science. I hope you've been inspired today. I hope this background and big picture sets you up well for further, even more practical um, explorations of how we could replace Bloom's taxonomy with Aristotle's intellectual virtues in future articles and lectures. Have a great week ahead. I hope that you are inspired and that you aim for bigger things in your teaching, in your um, educational objectives. I hope you have broad goals like moral virtue, like the relationship of your students with the Almighty God, their creator, and that you don't just get narrowly focused on only the intellectual abilities and skills and let that crowd out things that matter even more. Thanks for listening and joining us today for Educational Renaissance.